Welcome. I'm so glad to see you today. I want to welcome those of you worshiping online as well. And welcome to warm, sunny Florida. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, have I told you lately that I love you? I do. I love you. And I'm glad that you came today. And I'm so impressed. These are the people. Look around. These are the people you'll see in heaven right here because they came to church when it was raining today. And, you know, some people get up and they look outside and they see the rain and they say, nay, nay, I can't go. But you didn't do that. I am so impressed, so proud of you for coming out today. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> How many of you love to win? How many of you love to win? Yeah, Laura and I, we were watching sports last night, and she was so fired up. She was really excited. She had to wind down to go to sleep. I asked her about it. You think I'm making that up? I'm not. And, you know, next week is the Super Bowl, and people will be pulling for different teams. You don't have to tell me who. Okay, but we know. But anyway, you know, you like to win. Well, Paul asked this question in 1 Corinthians, and here's what he said. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. Now, I like that that's in the Bible. Run to win. Don't just run for the fun of it. Don't just run to be there. Don't just run to get a participation trophy. Run the race to win. I appreciate that. And so, if you ain't first, you're last. That's my point, you know. We want to run to win. And the scripture tells us that it's important that we do that. What does that mean? What are we talking about? Well, a lot of different areas. We want to run to win spiritually. We want to see our spiritual lives grow. We want to get closer to God and to one another and be in a small group and, and do the things we need to do. We don't want to just take two steps forward and three steps back. And we want to run to win financially. We want to learn how to manage our resources. We want to put God first and trust Him in that area. And then we want to run relationally. We want our marriages to be all they can be. We want our families to be all they can be. We don't want to struggle in those situations, although sometimes we do. And so we want to do that in our minds. We want to have the right attitude. We don't want to just run to get by, but we want to run to win with our attitude, that it, we have a Christ-like thought. We battle anxiety and worry with the strength of God. And if we're supposed to run to win the race, then why aren't we doing that? Why are we still struggling? Why do we have these desires to change things and to do things differently, but we're at the same place that we were last year? How can that change? I've got a theory for you. Here it is. Maybe we've been trying too long. Maybe we've been trying too long. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. We're going to walk through that together. Now, it's common among Christians that we have the theology of trying. Are you familiar with that? We use that in the words. I'm trying to get close to God. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to pray daily. I'm trying to be patient with my kids, but I can't do it. I'm trying to stop procrastinating. I'm trying to eat better, but every night the refrigerator has a magnet and it pulls me toward it, and so I struggle. Or I make excuses and I say, I'm trying to go to bed at the right time, but the spirit of Netflix gets a hold of me, and I just can't seem to do it. I'm trying 
trying to start exercising. I'm trying to manage my money. And the problem is that we've been trying for too long. And so today, I want to change our perspective on this whole concept of trying. And I want to talk about the power to change. That's what this whole series is about, to have the power to change. And I want us to look at that perspective together. Now, before we do that, quick review for those who may not have been here. The first week, we said that real and lasting change isn't behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. In other words, just because you change on the outside doesn't mean the heart is changed on the inside. And if you don't change the heart, you'll go back to the same behavior you were doing before. The second week, we talked about identity. And we said, you do what you do because of what you think of you. You see, we sometimes don't think very highly of ourselves. Carmen talked about that in a minute ago. Sometimes we have low self-esteem. Sometimes we don't think we can achieve all that God wants to achieve through us. And so we need to have a change of heart and we need to think the way God thinks about us and not just the way we think about ourselves. And so we said the first week you have to have a spiritual why. In other words, if I'm going to change, I'm not just going to change for some generic reason, but I'm going to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Why do you want me to do What is it that you want me to do? And so he tells us why, and our spiritual why is what he gives us. The second week, we said we need to have a spiritual who. We need to have God's identity, not just who we think we are, but who does God say that we are? And then week three, we talked about a spiritual what. You remember we talked about habits. Now, what's one habit you need to start? Make it obvious and make it easy. And that's what we talked about then. The next week, we said this. Based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to break? You need to define it. You need to remove the cues that keep you going to that habit, and you need to interrupt the action with some other activity, okay? And then, today we're going to talk on, based on who you want to become, how are you going to train? You need to change your mindset. See, we're not just going to try anymore, but we're going to train. Look at the person next to you and say, no more trying Now we're going to train. Tell them that right now. Why do we continue to struggle year after year with the same thing we've done before and end up in the same place? Because we've been trying for too long. So we're going to stop trying. And we're going to start training, and that's going to change our whole mindset about what we want to accomplish. Now, if you read the book of Corinthians, in Corinth, it was a city in Greece, and every four years, they would have their Olympic Games, and they loved competition. But every two years, they had these other games, not the Olympic Games, not as big, but they were called the Ismethian Games. And in these games that they did every two years, they had four things, okay? They had chariot racing, they had boxing, they had wrestling, and they had poetry contest, okay? And if you read the scripture, you see how those Corinthians would really lean in when Paul told them this scripture because they liked to compete. He said, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, not in their trying, 
but in their training. So stop trying and start training. Now, what they would run for was a prize that would just fade away. But you and I run for an eternal prize. Well, they would get a wreath, and they could put that on their head if they won, and, you know, it was just going to wither up and die. But what we do is eternal because we do it for the glory of God, and we train to be something that will last what we do for all eternity. So Paul said, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Now, these games were incredibly intense, and they would go into a 10-month training effort, pre-Olympic training, and it would include a very strict diet, and they would watch everything they put into their bodies, and they were runners, and if they were runners, when they trained, they would actually run in the new. That's right. They didn't want any restrictions. They wanted to run faster. They wanted to have pure bodies. They wanted to do their very best. And so they would run. The wrestlers, the wrestlers would go out in the heat of the day. It might be 100 degrees in the heat of the day, the middle of the day, and they would wrestle in that extreme heat. Or they'd go out in the wintertime in the snow, and they would wrestle in extreme cold. Did you know? that they would even wrestle bulls and horses and even lions. These people are crazy. Now, knowing all that I've just told you about them and thinking about what category I would like to compete in, I have chosen the poetry category, okay? I'm keeping my clothes on, and I'm going for the poetry. I want the top prize. I'm going to be a great poet, okay? And Paul says in 1 Timothy, instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Dallas Willard said this, I'm not trying to be a different person. I'm training to be a different person. What's the difference in trying and training? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you that. Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. You don't have to do a lot. It's a half-hearted desire. It has an excuse clause built into it. I'm trying to pray, which means I might not actually pray. It's giving me permission to fail. I'm trying. That means there is a way out in case I don't do it, okay? I'm trying to read my Bible, but I haven't been successful. I'm trying not to eat the whole thing. But I just did eat the whole thing because I'm trying, and it's an attempt to change with minimal commitment. I'm training as a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. I'm very specific. I'm training to do it. It's an all-in commitment designed to bring about a specific result. And you know the difference of trying and training? I want to give you two thoughts about training. First... When you're training, you get the gear. When you're training, you get the gear. 
Okay? Now, if you're going to be a runner, what do you do? Well, you've got to get the shoes. I remember my shoes were worn out, and I was walking and exercising on a regular basis. And so I went. There was a, used to be a store across from the Navy base on Thomas Drive, and they sold uh, athletic wear and things. And I went in there, and I said, okay, I want you to get, you, get me the right shoes. And, boy, he measured my foot, and we talked about it. And he said, well, try these on. And, boy, they felt great. You know what kind they were? They were Brooks. And I went back and I bought some more of those. I've got several pair of those. And when you're going to walk or run or whatever you're going to do, those are great. And then you have to get the socks. He said, now let me get you some socks. So I got the socks. And boy, they were cushioned and they felt great. And I just went out to walk to feel good. It was wonderful because I had those socks and those shoes. But you know, if you're going to train, you've got to get the gear. You've got to get the right, you've got to get the right shorts. You don't need those shorts that are down around your knees holding you back. You can't do that. You might trip up and fall. You need those really short shorts that are lightweight. You don't want anything restricting you. You want to really run. You can get a better tan in those. You've got to get out and run with those. And then if you're going to be a runner, you've got to have the watch. How can you run without the runner's watch? You've got to have it. And then the runner's hat. You never saw a runner run without a hat. You've got to have the runner's hat. It's lightweight and it keeps the sun out of your eyes. It's perfect. And then you've got to have the runner's glasses. You've got to have them. You see them. These famous people, they run and they're aerodynamic. Yeah, so you got to have the right stuff. And then you've got to have a water bottle. You've got to have it because how are you going to run? You're going to get thirsty. You're going to get dehydrated. What are you going to do? Oh, I didn't bring my water bottle. And you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to finish the race. Where's your fanny pack? You've got to have a fanny pack. I don't know what's in the fanny pack, but you've got to have it. It's, it's totally necessary for you to be a great runner. I've talked to some runners. I know what you've got to have. I've talked to people. I won't mention any names, but Teresa Lucas. I know people who run, and I know what you've got to have to run. And so training has to be organized, and you've got to have the right gear. Now, if you're going to be training to be a disciple of Christ, you've got to have the right gear. You've got to have a planner, and you've got to have markers, and you've got to have pins, and you've got to have stickers, and you've got to have binders, and you've got to have inserts. And you've got to have washi tape. Yep. How many of you have washi tape? Look at the person next to you and say, you are the most unorganized per person I know. <laughs> this, is this is just a crowd of chaos right here. There's no washi tape in here. How many of you know what washi tape is? Aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm going to tell you. Washi tape is what you use in your prayer journal. You put that tape in there. You make notes on it. It's important. You've got to have washi tape. Whatever it takes, you've got to have the gear to train well. And then the second thing is when you're training, you create a game plan. You've got to have a game plan that you can follow. Now, you know, I read this week online, you probably saw that Apollo Creed, the guy who played that, that part, he died recently. I was sorry to hear that. He was too young, but he died. I don't know what he died of, but he died. Rocky did not go out to fight Apollo Creed unless he had a game plan, right? He had the eye of the tiger playing behind him. He had a crowd of people following him up the steps to the Capitol. They all ran up there with him. He jumped up and down. They danced around at the Capitol. He went out in the snow and trained. He was in some dark, dank basement. He stayed down there and trained. He chased chickens around. That's what he did. Rocky was a chicken chaser. 
And because he was not trying, he was training. And so we want to train to see things change. And so what do you do? Well, you get a book to read, the Bible. And then you get uh, five YouTube videos to learn how to be discipled. And then you get an app and a membership. And you try to find every way you can to grow closer to God. Maybe you get a mentor. Maybe you get a trainer. And everybody else says, how do you have time to do that? And you say, because I made it a priority. I'm in training right now. And when you know who God says you are, you know your identity, you know what he can do through you, and you'll just train to be his person. You're not trying to get close to God. You're training to get close to God. You're training with the gear and all the things. You'll be the person who takes notes in church. How about that? Yeah, I see some of you taking notes in church. May your tribe increase because you won't remember, but if you write it down, you'll remember. And so you have a worship playlist. You listen to it to get closer to God, to get ready to, before you have your prayer time. And then your plan is to be in church every week. You want to be in the house of God with the people of God, hearing the word of God so you can do the will of God. How about that? So you could write that down right there. You're serving somewhere. I always love it when people come into the church, they join the church, and then they get involved, and you see them out serving. You see, there's a lady who comes to the 9 o'clock service, and she joined some time ago, and we put her on a team, and she faithfully, she was excited to be on the team. And then recently, you know what I've seen? I've noticed that she became one of the ushers and greeters at the 9 o'clock service. And I see her slipping out, and she's out there counting people after everybody gets into worship. She's looking around, and she's counting people. May her tribe increase. I'm so grateful that she was willing to do that. You know, there's a guy that drives a golf cart, and he gets out there, and when it's really ugly weather especially, he can take the golf cart. People who have trouble walking, he can help them in. Maybe you'd like to, to be a person who's training with students. You'd like to help them. Maybe you want to help the children. They need that. Maybe you want to work in the nursery. Maybe you want to lead in some form or fashion because you've got a plan and you're praying daily and you're not just trying. Now, here's the thing. You don't act according to your feelings. You act according to your commitment. And you acted today. I just want to tell you I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you that you got up and you went out and you braved that rain, that water falling from the sky. It, you came out and you made it in here today. That's impressive. And when you're an athlete, you're a competitor and you want to fight for everything that matters. And so you have a vision and a goal and a dream. And you're not just trying, but you're training. When I was growing up, I played football. And so, you know, one time the coach, he made me a running back and I ran and I would, boy, I would go for the goal line. And, and then... He made me a safety and a defensive back, and I would try to keep people from getting to that goal line. And I would really focus on running as best I could. And he said, I want you to improve in your running. I'm going to put you on track. You're going to run the 100-yard dash. And I would look at the finish line. I wouldn't look anywhere else, and I would run. And during the week when I trained, they put those ankle weights on your feet, you know. And they say, now go run with those. You ever done that? Man, it feels like you're running in quicksand out there. It's hard to get in. And, boy, when they take them off, you feel like you're flying. You're just floating along. You're not wearing that anymore. Or maybe you're, you're tired of trying in your marriage and you want to train in your marriage and get counseling and start serving together and praying together. And you want to have a marriage that's in training. Or maybe you want to be a better friend. You're not just trying to be a better friend, but you're a, a friend who loves another like a brother and you're there for them. And so you're training. 
Now, here's what I want to ask you. Here's the question I want to ask you. Based on who you want to become, how are you going to train? Change your mindset. Change your mindset. So from this day forward, you're going to train in a different way. You're going to get the gear, and you're going to have a plan, and you're going to reach out to the people around you to help them to be in training as well. You're going to make those changes that need to be made so you're not just trying anymore, but you're actually training. And here's the thing. You get the gear, and then you get the plan, and then you show up. And you go do what you want to do, what God's calling you to do. You're training to be the person that God has created you to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we just thank you for helping us to follow your word, for helping us to be your children, for helping us to be the witness you want us to be. Lord, help us to move from trying to training, to put it into action, not just for our sakes, but for those around us. We pray in your son's name. And all God's children said. Now, if you're helping to serve communion today, I want to invite you to come up front, prepare the elements, get ready to do that. Let me just share with you that on the night that Jesus was, was betrayed, he was in the upper room and he was with his disciples and he took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, take this and eat it. This is my body. And then also he took the cup and he blessed it and he passed it around. And he said, take this and drink it. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And so today we come to communion. We receive communion. Now here's what happens when we do that. First of all, we get an invitation. You're invited to come. Every person here is invited to come. If you intend to follow Christ, you're invited to come. But before you come, it's an opportunity for you and me to confess our sins. Lord, before I go, I want to confess my sins, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, to cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. I want to be your person today. And so I confess to you, and then I accept the invitation. And then when I come up here, I receive the communion that's offered to me. And I thank Jesus for it because he died so that we might live, not just in this life, but forever in the life to come. And so, Jesus, I'm thankful for what you did. For I couldn't do it for myself, but you did it for me. And I'm grateful. You did it before I was even born. You didn't even know that I would take advantage of it. And so, I want to thank you. And then this week when we leave, it's an opportunity for us to say, you know, because I've been with God today, I'm going to go back out, and I want to be a different person. I don't want to just try, but I want to train to be a different person because I want to be your, your person, your witness. I want to be your example, Lord. I want to be used by you. Give me divine appointments. Work through me. Give me the words to say. Help me to have ears to hear. Just help me to be where you want me to be, when you want me to be there, to accomplish your purposes this week. Now, let me just share with you. When you come up here, there's these baskets right here. And that's the We Care Fund to help people in need. And it's a food pantry, and there's no paid employees. It's all volunteers. I want to thank you on your behalf, their behalf, because of your giving. Do you know that because you give, it's not even in the budget, over $70,000 is given every year here at Woodlawn to help people in need. So thank you on their behalf. But, yeah, that's a blessing. That's right. But let me also say to you that the Bible teaches us that the first 
10%, God's tithe, and then our gifts and offerings, that comes first. So when you leave today, that's your number one priority. That's what you give to first, and then you give above and beyond because God has blessed you, and you, you love him, and you want to show him, and you just want to be faithful to him. You want to say, Lord, I don't want to just try to be a faithful steward. I want to train to be a faithful steward. Will you teach me how to do it? I've never done it before, but I want to do it. I've seen other friends of mine that have started doing it. I want to do it. I want to be the person because God is teaching us to trust him when we do it. That's what it's all about. He could, he could do it without that. He doesn't have to have that, but it's about us. And he wants us to learn to trust him. If you trust God with your salvation, can you trust him? with resources. He gave you everything you've got. You say, well, I, I made it myself. I worked. I, yeah, well, God brought you into the world, didn't he? And God got you that job. And did he give you any abilities and any intellect and any opportunities in your life and bless you? When you were born, what'd you come with? Nothing. When you leave, what are you taking with you? Nothing. So the Bible says, build up treasure in heaven, not just on earth. And then when you get there, I wonder what kind of house he's prepared for me because I've been very faithful all these years and what a blessing that'll be. I'm preparing for my eternal retirement plan, right? So I want to thank you for coming today. God bless you. They're going to direct you to come up and receive communion at this time.